Chapter Four of the Red Mist by Lee Brackett and Ray Bradbury. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. He was one of Fallon's men, one of the rovers, one of those who had gone down at Falga because of Conan. His name was Giel. Stark remembered. The part of him that was Conan remembered the name. The dead lips moved. Conan, what luck this is, Conan. I make you welcome. The words were cruel, the lips around them loose and dead. It seemed to Stark and anger and embittered wrath lay deep in those hollow eyes. The lips twitched again. I went down at Falga for you and Ron, Conan. Remember? Part of Stark remembered and twisted in agony. We're all here, Conan. All of us. Clev and Mount and Braun and Acer. Remember Acer, who could shape metal over his spine, prying it with his fingers? Acer is here, big as a sea monster, wading in a niche, cold and loose as string. The sea shepherds collected us, collected us for a purpose of irony. Look! The boneless fingers hung out, as in a wind, pointing. Stark turned slowly, and his heart pounded an uneven, shattering drumbeat. His jaw clenched and his eyes blurred. That part of him that was Conan cried out. Conan was so much of him, and he so much of Conan, it was impossible for a cleavage. They'd grown together like pearl material around sand specule, layer on layer. Stark cried out. In the hall which this circular room overlooked stood a thousand men. In lines of fifty across, shoulder to shoulder, the men of Cromdu stared unseeingly up at Stark. Here and there a face became shockingly familiar. Old memory cried their names. Braun, Clev, Mont, Asur. The collected decomposition of their bodily fluids raised them, drifted them above the flaggings. Each of them was chained, like Giel. Giel whispered, We have made a union with the men of Falga. Stark pulled back. Falga! In death all men are equals. He took his time with it. He was in no hurry. Dead bodies under sea are never in a hurry. They sort of bump and dripped and bide their time. The dead serve those who give them a semblance of life. Tomorrow we march against Cromdu. You're crazy. Cromdu is your home. It is the place of Butig and Fallon. And, interrupted the hanging corpse quietly, Conan, eh? he laughed. A crystal dribble of bubbles ran up from the slack mouth. Especially Conan, Conan who sank us at Falga. Stark moved swiftly. Nobody stopped him. He had the corpse's short blade in an instant. Giel's chest made a cold, silent sheath for it. The blade went in like a fork through butter. Coldly, without noticing this, Giel's voice spoke out. "'Stab me! Cut me! You can't kill me any deader! Make sections of me! Play butcher! A flank! A hand! A heart! And while you're at it, I'll tell you the plan!' Snarling, Stark seized the blade out again. With blind violence he gave sharp blow after blow at the body, cursing bitterly, and the body took each blow— "'rocking in the red tide a little, "'and said with a matter-of-fact tone, 
We'll march out of the sea to Cromdew's gates. Romna and the others, looking down, recognizing us, will have the gates thrown wide to welcome us. The head tilted lazily, the lips peeled wide and folded down languidly over the words. Think of the elation, Conan. The moment when Braun and Mant and Asur and I and yourself, yes, even yourself, Conan, return to Cromdew. Stark saw it, vividly. Saw it like a tapestry woven for him. He stepped back, gasping for breath, his nostrils flaring, seeing what his blade had done to Gail's body, and seeing the great stone gates of Cromdew crashing open. The deliberation, the happiness, the elation to Fallon and Romna to see old friends returned. Old rovers, long thought dead, alive again, come to help. It made a picture. With great deliberation, Stark struck flat across before him. Gill's head, severed from its lazy body, began, with infinite tiredness, to float toward the ceiling. As it traveled upward, now facing, now bobbling the back of its skull toward Stark, it finished its nightmare speaking. And then, once inside the gates, what then, Conan? Can you guess? Can you guess what we'll do, Conan? Stark stared at nothingness, the sword trembling in his fist. From far away he heard Giel's voice. We will kill Fallon in his hall. He will die with surprised lips. Romna's harp will lie in his disemboweled stomach. His heart with its last pulsings will sound the strings. And as for Budeg... Stark tried to push the thoughts away, raging and helpless. Gil's body was no longer anything to look at. He had done all he could to it. Stark's face was bleached white and scraped down to the insane bone of it. You'd kill your own people. Gil's separated head lingered at the ceiling, light fish illuminating its ghastly features. Our people? But we have no people. We're another race now. The dead. We do the biddings of the sea shepherds. Stark looked out into the hall. Then he looked at the circular wall. Okay, he said, without tone in his voice. Come out. Wherever you're hiding and using this voice-throwing act, come on out and talk straight. In answer, an entire section of Eben stones fell back on silent hinge-work. Stark saw a long, slender black marble table. Six people sat behind it in carven midnight thrones. They were all men, naked except for film-like garments about their loins. They looked at Stark with no particular hatred or curiosity. One of them cradled a harp. It was the shepherd who drawn Stark through the gate. Amusedly, his webbed fingers lay on the strings, now and then bringing out a clear sound from one of the two hundred strands. The shepherd stopped Stark's rush forward with a cry of that harp. The blade in his hand was red hot. He dropped it. The shepherd put a head on the story. And then? And then we will march Ron's dead warriors all the way to Falga. There, Ron's people, seeing the warriors, will be overjoyed, hysterical to find their friends and relatives returned. They, too, will fling wide Falga's defenses, and death will walk in, disguised as resurrection. 
Stark nodded, slowly, wiping his hand across his cheek. Back on Earth we call that psychology. Good psychology. But will a fool Ron? Ron will be with her ships at Cromdu. While she's gone, the innocent population will let in their lost warriors gladly. The shepherd had amused green eyes. He looked like a youth of some seventeen years, deceptively young. If Stark guessed right, the youth was near to two centuries old. That's how you lived and looked when you were under the Red Sea. Something about the emanations of it kept part of you young. Stark lidded his yellow hawk eyes thoughtfully. You've got all aces. You'll win. But what's Crom do to you? Why not just Ron? She's one of you. You hate her more than you do the rovers. Her ancestors came up on land. You never got over hating them for that. The shepherd shrugged. Toward Crom do we have little actual hatred, except that they are by nature land men even if they do rove by boat, and pillagers. One day they might try their luck on the sunken devices of this city. Stark put a hand out. We're fighting Ron, too. Don't forget, we're on your side. Whereas we are on no one's, retorted the green-haired youth, except our own. Welcome to the army which will attack Chrome Dew. Me, by the gods, over my dead body. That, said the youth, amusedly, is what we intend. We've worked many years, you see, to perfect the plan. We're not much good out on land. We need bodies that could do the work for us. So, every time Fallon lost a ship or Ron lost a ship, we were there, with our golden hounds waiting. Collecting, saving. Waiting until we had enough of each side's warriors. They'll do the fighting for us. No, not for long, of course. The source energy will give them a semblance of life, a momentary electrical ability of walk and combat. But once out of water, they'll last only half an hour. But that should be time enough once the gates of Cromdew and Falga are open. Stark said, Ron will find some way around you. Get her first attack, Cromdew, the following day. The youth deliberated. You're stalling, but there's sense in it. Ron is most important. We'll get Falga first, then. You'll have a bit of time in which to raise false hopes. Stark began to get sick again. The room swam. Very quietly, very easily, Ron came into his mind again. He felt her glide in like the merest touch of a sea fern weaving in a tide pool. He closed his mind down, but not before she snatched at a shred of thought. Her aquamarine eyes reflected desire and inquiry. Hugh Stark, you're with the sea people? Her voice was soft. He shook his head. Tell me, Hugh Stark, how are you plotting against Falga? He said nothing. He thought nothing. He shut his eyes. Her fingernails glittered, raking at his mind. Tell me. His thoughts rolled tightly into a metal sphere which nothing could dent. Ron laughed unpleasantly and leaned forward until she filled every dark horizon of his skull with her shimmering body. All right, I gave you Conan's body. Now I'll take it away. 
she struck him a combined blow of her eyes her writhing lips her bone-sharp teeth go back to your old body go back to your old body hugh stark she hissed go back leave conan to his idiocy go back to your old body fear had him he fell down on his face quivering and jerking you could fight a man with a sword but how could you fight this thing in your brain he began to suck sobbing breaths through his lips he was screaming he could not hear himself her voice rushed in from the dim outer red universe destroying him hugh stark go back to your old body his old body was dead and she was sending him back into it part of him shot endwise through red fog he lay on a mountain plateau overlooking the harbor of falga red fog coiled and snaked round him flame birds dived eerily down at his staring blind eyes his old body held him putrefaction stuffed his nostrils the flesh sagged and slipped greasily on his loosened structure he felt small again and ugly flame birds nibbled picking choosing between his ribs pain gorged him cold blackness nothingness filled him back in his old body forever he didn't want that the plateau the red fog vanished the flame birds too he lay once more on the floor of the sea shepherds struggling that was just a start ron told him next time i'll leave you up there on the plateau in that body now will you tell me the plans of the sea people and go on living in conan he's yours if you tell she smirked you don't want to be dead stark tried to reason it out any way he turned was the wrong way he grunted out a breath if i tell you'll still kill Budeg. her life in exchange for what you know hugh stark her answer was too swift it had the sound of treachery stark did not believe he would die that would solve it then at least ron would die when the sea people carried out their strategy that much revenge at least damn it then he got the idea he coughed out a laugh raised his weak head to look at the startled sea shepherd his little dialogue with ron had taken about ten seconds actually but it had seemed a century the sea shepherd stepped forward stark tried to get to his feet got got a proposition for you you with the harp ron's inside me now unless you guarantee cromdu and Budic's safety i'll tell her some things she might want to be in on the sea shepherd drew a knife stark shook his head coldly put it away even if you get me i'll give the whole damn strategy to ron the shepherd dropped his hand he was no fool ron tore at stark's brain tell me tell me their plan he felt like a guy in a revolving door stark got the seamen in focus he saw that they were afraid now doubtful and nervous i'll be dead in a minute said stark promise me the safety of cromdu and i'll die without telling ron a thing the sea shepherd hesitated then raised his palm upward 
I promise, he said. Cromdew will go untouched. Stark sighed. He let his head fall forward until it hit the floor. Then he rolled over, put his hands over his eyes. It's a deal. Go give Ron hell for me, will you boys? Give her hell. As he drifted into mine darkness, Ron waited for him. Feebly he told her, Okay, Duchess, you'd kill me even if I told you the idea. I'm ready. Try your god awfulest to shove me back into that stinking body of mine. I'll fight you all the way there. Ron screamed. It was a pretty frustrated scream. Then the pains began. She did a lot of work on his mind in the next minute. The part of him that was Conan held on like a clam holding to its precious contents. The odor of putrid flesh returned. The blood mist returned. The flame birds fell down at him in spirals of sparks and blistering smoke to winnow his naked ribs. Stark spoke one last word before the blackness took him. Budag. He never expected to awaken again. He awoke just the same. There was a red sea all around him. He lay on some kind of stone bed, and the young sea shepherd sat beside him, looking down at him, smiling delicately. Stark did not dare move for a while. He was afraid his head might fall off and whirl away like a big fish, using its ears as propellers. Lord, he muttered, barely turning his head. The sea creature stirred. You won. You fought Ron and won. Stark groaned. I feel like something passed through a wildcat's intestines. She's gone. Ron's gone, he laughed. That makes me sad. Somebody cheer me up. Ron's gone. He felt of his big, flat, muscled body. She was bluffing, trying to drive me batty. She knew she couldn't really tuck me back into that carcass, but she didn't want me to know. It was like a baby's nightmare before it's born. Or maybe you haven't got a memory like me. He rolled over, stretching. She won't ever get in my head again. I've locked the gate and swallowed the key. His eyes dilated. What's your name? Linnell, said the man with the harp. You didn't tell Ron our strategy? What do you think? Linnell smiled sincerely. I think I like you, man of Chrome Dew. I think I like your hatred for Ron. I think I like the way you handled the entire matter. Wanted to kill Ron and save Chrome Dew, and being so willing to die to accomplish either. That's a lot of thinking. Yeah, and what about that promise you made? It will be kept. Stark gave him a hand. Little, you're okay. If I ever get back to Earth, so help me, I'll never bait a hook again and drop it in the sea. It was lost to Linnell. Stark forgot it and went on, laughing. There was an edge of hysteria to it. Relief. You got booted around for days. People milled in and out of your mind like it was a bargain basement counter, pawing over the threads and convolutions, yelling and fighting. The woman you loved was starved on a ship masthead, and as a climax a lady with green eyes tried to make you a filling for an ancient mangled body. And now you had an ally. And you couldn't believe it. He laughed in little starts and stops, his eyes shut.
will you let me take care of ron when the time comes his fingers groped hungrily upward closed on an imaginary figure of her pressed tightened choked linnell said she's yours i'd like the pleasure but you have as much if not more of a revenge to take come along we start now you've been asleep for one entire period stark led himself down gingerly he didn't want to break a leg off he felt if someone touched him he might disintegrate he managed to let the tide handle him do all the work he swam carefully after Linnell down three passageways where an occasional silver inhabitant of the city slid by. Drifting below them in a vast square hall, each gravitating but imprisoned by leg shackles, the warriors of Falga looked up with pale, cold eyes at Stark and Linnell. Occasional discharges of light fish from interstices in the walls passed luminous, fleeting glows over the warriors. The light fish flirted briefly in a long shining rope that tied knots around the dead faces and as quickly untied them. Then the light fish pulsed away, and the red color of the sea took over. Bathed in wine, thought Stark, without humor. He leaned forward. Men of Falga. Linnell plucked a series of harp threads. Aye, a deep suggestion of sound issued from a thousand dead lips. We go to sack Ron Citadel. Ron, came the muffled thunder of voices. At the sound of another tune, the golden hounds appeared. They touched the chains. The men of Falga, released, danced through the Red Sea substance. Siphoned into a valve mouth, they were drawn out into a great volcanic courtyard. Stark went close after. He started down into a black ravine, at the bottom of which was a blazing caldera. This was the source life of the Red Sea. Here it had begun a millennium ago. Here the savage cyclones of sparks and fire energy belched up, shaking titanic black garden walls, causing currents and whirlpools that threatened to suck you forward and shoot you violently up to the surface, in canulas of force, thrust in capillaries of ignited mist in shoots of color that threatened to cremate but only exhilarated you, gave you a seething rebirth. He braced his legs and fought the suction. An unbelievable sinew of fire sprang up from out of the ravine, crackling and roaring. The men of Falga did not fight the attraction. They moved forward in their silence and hung over the incandescence. The vitality of the source grew upward in them, it seemed to touch their sandaled toes first, and then by a process of shining osmosis, climb up the limbs, into the loins, into the vitals, delineating their strong bone structure as mercury delineates the glass thermometer with a rise of temperature. The bones flickered like carved, polished ivory through the momentarily film-like flesh. The ribs of a thousand men expanded like silvered spider legs, clinched, then expanded again. Their spines straightened, their shoulders flattened back. Their eyes, the last to take the fire, were now ignited and glowed like candles in refurbished sepulchres. The chins snapped up, the entire outer skins of their bodies broke into silver brilliance. Swimming through the storm of energy like nightmare figments, entering cold, 
they reached the far side of the ravine resembling smelted metal from blast furnaces when they brushed into one another purple sparks sizzled jumping from head to head from hand to hand linnell touched stark's arm you're next no thank you afraid laughed the harp shepherd you're tired it will give you new life you're next stark hesitated only a moment then he let the tide drift him rapidly out he was afraid damned afraid a belch of fire caught him as he arrived in the core of the ravine he was wrapped in layers of ecstasy budag pressed against him it was her consuming hair that netted him and branded him it was her warmth that crept up his body into his chest and into his head somebody yelled somewhere in animal delight and unbearable passion somebody danced and threw out his hands and crushed that solar warmth deeper into his huge body somebody felt all tiredness oldness flumed away a whole new feeling of warmth and strength inserted that somebody was stark waiting on the other side of the ravine were a thousand men of falga what sounded like a thousand harps began playing now and as stark reached the other side the harps began marching and the warriors marched with them they were still dead but you would never know it there were no minds inside those bodies the bodies were being activated from outside but you would never know it they left the city behind in embering ranks the soldier fighters were led by golden hounds and distant harps to a place where a huge intercoastal tide swept by they got on the tide for a free ride linnell beside him using his harp stark felt himself sucked down through a deep where strange monsters sprawled they looked at stark with hungry eyes but the harp wall swept them back stark glanced about at the men they don't know what they're doing he thought going home to kill their parents and their children to set the flame to falga and they don't know it their alive but dead faces tilted up always upward as though visions of ron's citadel were there ron stark let the warmth simmer in him he let it cool then it was cold ron hadn't bothered him now for hours was there a chance she'd read his thought in the midst of that frightening nightmare did she know of this plan for falga was that an explanation for her silence now he sent his mind ahead subtly ron ron the only answer was the move of silver bodies through the fiery deeps just before dawn they broke the surface of the sea falga drowsed in the red smeared fog silence its slave streets were empty and dew-covered high up the first light was bathing ron's gardens and setting her citadel aglow linnell lay in the shadows beside stark they both were smiling half cruel smiles they had waited long for this linnell nodded this is the day of the carnival fruit wine and love will be offered the returned soldiers of ron in the streets there will be dancing far over to the right lay a rise of mountain at its blunt peak stark stared at it intently rested a body of a little scrawny earthman with flame birds clustered on it 
He'd climb that mountain later, when it was over and there was time. "'What are you searching for?' asked Linnell. Stark's voice was distant. "'Someone I used to know.' Filing out of the stone quays, their rustling sandals eroded by time, the men stood clean and bright. Stark paced, a caged animal, at their center, so his dark body would pass unnoticed. They were seen. The cliff guard looked down over the dirty slave dwellings from their narrow galleries and set up a cry. Hands waved, pointed frostily white in the dawn. More guards loped down the ramps and galleries, meeting, joining others and coming on. Linnell, in the sea by the quay, suggested a theme on the harp. The other harps took it up. The shuddering music lifted from the water with a gentle firmness, set the dead feet marching down the quays, upward through the narrow, stifling alleys of the slaves, to meet the guard. Slave people peered out at them tiredly from their choked quarters. The passing of warriors was old to them, of no significance. These warriors carried no weapons. Stark didn't like that part of it. A length of chain, even, he wanted. But this emptiness of the hands. His teeth ached from too long a time of clenching his jaws tight. The muscles of his arms were feverish and nervous. At the edge of the slave community, at the cliff base, the guard confronted them. Running off down the galleries, swords naked, they ran to intercept what they took to be an enemy. The guard stopped in blank confusion. End of chapter 4